Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast. Coming at you with our Week 16 review, Cody. It was a pretty devastating week on my end. I went 1-2, and two, luckily, in my semifinals, but had a lot of duds across the board. Not a fun weekend, including losing to my podcast mate in the semifinals in our Keeper League. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more of the reaction here in a second, but Cody, I'll let you go ahead and tell me how your weekend went. Mine was uh, mine was pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, if I if I would have lost the game, the matchup against you, that would have been a nightmare uh, way to end the season for me because I got absolutely boat raced in my uh, work league. Um, unfortunately, by the same people that I that basically carried me to a win to beating you. So a uh, little up and down, but. I mean, like I said, or like I think we've stated, this is our big money league. So I think it's the most important in my mind. So I'm happy to be playing for the championship. But uh, the guy the guy I'm playing, man, has Joe Burrow. Or the guy I'm be playing against is going to have Joe Burrow playing on Monday night. So I'm going to be as locked in as I have to be for that game. But hopefully I just blow him out big time before Joe Burrow can even be a factor. And then I just don't have to worry about Monday night. Yeah, um, this this one hurts extra bad, I'm not going to lie. Um, usually I feel like there is a lesson to be learned when we lose games like this. Uh, you know, I don't know. There's something you can take from it, but in this case, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, check your Farmer's Almanac next year. Make sure your guys oh, yeah. aren't playing in bad weather. As we'll get to, basically every single game we thought there was going to be bad weather was disappointing fantasy-wise, and most... You know, I think there was probably two or three games that had good weather you could call disappointing, but pretty much every single one that was played in the Dome or a good weather situation was good for fantasy. So it was pretty much that simple. If you had guys that avoided these crazy weather situations we kind of uh, briefed you for before the week, then they probably did well. And if you did uh, happen to have those guys playing in you know, all the bad weather, it, it went pretty pretty horribly for basically all of them. I did some math earlier. I kind of went through our podcast last week and – the only game that we discussed having, you know, bad weather that went over was Bills, uh, Bills Bears, and that was still a very disappointing one from a fantasy perspective. So that should give you an idea. Every single other game, even though those unders were pushed way down, they all went under. So the the weather really did end up kind of uh, taking over the day as suspected going in. Yeah, absolutely. The weather was insane all weekend long, and like. Uh... Like Nick said, once you got to those good weather games, like the one I had Justin Jefferson and Saquon indoors. I mean, that one was a big one for fantasy this weekend. Devontae Smith, what he did in Dallas was, you know, a fantasy winning kind of week there. So definitely some indoor guys, you know, Austin Eckler even last night got in for two touchdowns. So definitely, you know, the weather played a very big impact this week, which I think a lot of people are probably more frustrated about than anything, but yeah, I think I got the lucky, basically the lucky draw on that one with those two playing indoors. I mean, I had I had Marquise Goodwin put up a nice 0.0 for me. Yeah, and, you had uh, some injury luck catch up to you. I kept yeah. it close for sure. Yeah, Stevenson, you know, completely dotted on me and got past that. So, I mean, definitely wasn't a good week. I mean, I mean, if you just look at my team against the guy I'm going to be playing, I, I mean, I definitely got to hopefully, hopefully Ramondre gets healthy and he's good to go this week, but looking a little bit dicey. Very, very top-heavy, it feels like. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I'm sure we'll break it down later in the week here. Uh, but I'm going to jump into our news and injury segment because I'm actually very excited to lead off this news <laughs> segment. Probably the favorite bit of news I've gotten to break all year. That is the Broncos firing their first-year coach, Nathaniel Hackett, after the 
embarrassing performance on Christmas. I think that's probably putting it nicely, to be honest with you. Uh, again, we'll get to that one later. I remembered to include it in the show doc, even though I really didn't want to. Uh, but yeah, that was, I've never seen a team just give up the way that they did in that game. And they, they really, they gave up and you could just see that there was animosity on the sideline. And it was, it was completely embarrassing all the way around. And there was no way Hackett was going to survive that one. I think pretty much everybody knew he was going to get fired the next day. Uh, Cody, I don't know if you have any dancing on my Broncos grave that you want to do, or if you want to just let the you know the season speak for itself. But I'll give you the floor for a second. Yeah, it is what it is at this point. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I will get into the Broncos a little bit more because I have a couple of like Broncos-centric questions I was going to ask you, but I'm not going to dance on your grave. Like I, I've stated multiple times, I, I thought that Russell Wilson and Denver was going to really work out this year. I invested in both Russell and the you know wide receiver options in my fantasy teams, and you know those leagues it uh, did not work out for me very well. So, um, yeah, I mean it is what it is. Hopefully, they can find someone who wants to come in and coach this team. And obviously, with not very much draft capital and Russell Wilson basically locking in at quarterback, we will see. Uh, I guess how easy of a task that is for him. Yeah, I mean, they're going to you know have to find the right guy, and we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to take a rather large turnaround to turn whatever product that was on the field this year into an above-average unit next year. So uh, good luck to whoever's coming in. But I guess you have a pretty low bar to clear, Nathaniel Hackett, so maybe you get a little bit more runway because of that. Uh, we'll who is see. The, um, who's the GM for the Broncos? Uh, George Patton is yep. the GM. He's actually been a decent drafter. In recent years, they obviously haven't been able to find the quarterback, but the roster around, you know, the rest of the pieces have been, you know, he's been pretty good at hitting his draft picks. So that hasn't really been the issue. It's just been finding the QB and the right coach to make everything mesh. So gotcha. uh, I tr- he doesn't have any picks to, <laughs> to make the next couple of years anyway. So I, I don't know what it's going to matter. I guess next year is our last year having to deal with that, but still just not a great, not a great look for the Broncos franchise right now. Um, let's get into a couple injuries that happened on Sunday afternoon to a couple of Cody's, uh, players on his team overcame them. Christian Watson, he left basically right after halftime. He got eight targets in the first half. Thought he was about to have a huge day. Uh, Rogers just missed him on a couple end zone targets as well. Uh, but he left with a hip injury. He's considered day to day right now. Don't have an update on him quite yet. Cause they don't play until the weekend or, uh, until Sunday. Uh, we have a couple injury updates on Thursday night, guys. We'll get to Tua on the other side. He is in the concussion protocol. Um, I think, honestly, this explains a lot of the reason that this offense just completely hit a wall uh, at when the second half started. They were they looked like they were on their way to blowing out the Packers. Tua had uh, they had 20 points basically in the middle of the second quarter. Tua had about 250 yards from what seemed like the first 20 minutes, but then he his play really slowed down. It seemed like uh, there was. Actually, going back through the tape, I, uh, I saw somebody break this down on Twitter. I uh, apologize, don't remember the uh, the name on that one. But he slammed his head in a very similar fashion to how he hit his head uh, against the Bengals in week four in the late second quarter. So a lot of people are speculating that's when he picked up the concussion. He played the rest of the game, and I think you can safely say he's probably not going to play this week and maybe the rest of the season we'll see. But definitely uh, get out there and replace Tua if he's going to be your guy this week. Don't plan on him being out there, and I think that was a large reason that this Dolphins offense just completely stalled in the second half. So I guess you can at least be, uh, you know, take solace in that fact. But still, just thinking of Tua, hopefully he's all right. This is his third concussion this year, so 
really want him to just sit out the last two games and probably the rest of this year, even if the Dolphins make the playoffs. Cody, do you have anything to say about Tua? Uh, I'm in general, from an NFL sense, no. I mean, hopefully he's okay. Um, obviously, if this is going to be his third concussion on the season, I mean, that's getting very, very dangerous, and he seems to be kind of prone to him. I mean, he's kind of small, not very mobile, so, I mean, just probably just prone to being, you know, just hit a lot, I guess, in the backfield or, you know, slung down probably relatively easier. But from a fantasy aspect, I mean, this is why you always want to stash an extra quarterback. I think we saw last or last week, obviously, with Jalen Hurts, this week with Tua. I mean, these were guys that were winning you your fantasy weeks for, you know, multiple weeks in the middle of the year and not going to be around for championship weeks. So, I guess for – Nice little note for next year. Always make sure you just have someone stashed, even if you have someone that you think's your, uh, you know, your reliable go-to guy week in and week out. Especially when it comes to this point in the year, you want to definitely, uh, you know, Labor make wire sure you have thin. someone just like it's just like an injury insurance for your top running back. You know, you want to want to make sure you have that backup quarterback in case something like this happens. And again, the number one quarterback in the league going down should be the the biggest example of that. And Jalen Hurts, a lot of owners this week. Paid pretty dearly, unless they replaced him with Gardner Minshew. He ended up having a pretty good day, actually. Yeah. Um, there's a, there wasn't really that many injuries uh, late. Thankfully, this Saturday slash Sunday. Uh, so that was that was one of the bigger ones. Both Watson and Tua. Aaron Jones in that same game, he was limited by an ankle injury in the second half. Dylan definitely got much more run because of it, uh, but I don't think he ended up leaving the game. Uh, you know, actually. Uh, he was never reported out for the game, so he, right. he might be able to play this weekend, but he definitely uh, got, you know, I think he got one or two carries in the second half, certainly limited by that ankle injury. So we'll see on him, but uh, against that Minnesota Vikings defense that just got shredded by a very poor Giants offense, I think you're going to want some pieces on that Packers team this weekend. Definitely keep an eye on Aaron Jones. Hunter Henry, if you're playing him as your tight end, he left early. He's considered day-to-day. I think it's enough that I'd probably move on. He has a knee injury, and uh, even if he plays, it's going to be limited. Jamal Williams, he left in the fourth quarter. Had a dud of a game before then and probably wasn't going to have you know much better of a game with them in comeback mode. Just kind of a bad game script for him. Tony Pollard, this is a big one. These are two Thursday night injuries, uh, running backs on both sides. Tony Pollard, he missed Tuesday's practice. Um, that's big because he plays Thursday. So Tuesday, this is you know more like a Thursday slash Friday practice for normal uh, you know normal guys this week. Pollard has a chance to miss, so certainly keep an eye on that. You might want to be making backup plans just in case. Derrick Henry, as uh, we talked about before the podcast, this is a very interesting situation. I want to kind of get into real quick here. He was limited on Tuesday. That would probably spell good things for his availability normally, but. We ran into a similar situation with Derrick Henry, I believe it was two years ago, so not last year, but the year before that, uh, where the Titans, uh, you know, their second-to-last game basically did not have any playoff implications for them. So they could win or lose, and it would not matter because their final week was going to determine their playoff status either way. And we have the same exact situation playing out this weekend where uh, the Titans are going to be playing for the division against the Jaguars, whether the Jaguars win or lose, and whether they win or lose, because they have the same record, and they would have the tiebreaker over the Jags if they tied. So very interesting situation, but we could definitely see Derrick Henry sit this Thursday because he's banged up, and again, because this game has zero implications for the Titans' playoffs. Very, very strange that this would happen to the same guy twice, where 
Like, I don't know, Cody. I, I don't think I've ever seen this happen to anybody else that's in like a, you know, a very major fantasy situation like this in the playoffs. It's, it's kind of funny because usually we, we do the second to last week of the year to avoid these exact situations. But Derrick Henry has been the, the victim of this two out of three years in a row. I mean, we'll see if he plays, but I just think this is a very fascinating situation, honestly. Yeah, week 18 fantasy championships are going to get the last half for uh, being a yeah. Derrick Henry manager this year. He'll get I guess. 30 carries in that game. I'll guarantee you that right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is a pretty crazy situation. Um, if you are not up to date on it, I mean, this is going to be out Wednesday. So if you're listening on Wednesday and Hassan Haskins is still on your waiver wire, um, I mean, I would even if you're out of it or you're playing for third place, I would go pick him up and just play keep away because – there's a very, very, very high chance that Derrick Henry just sits out this game and rests up for uh, for next week. I believe when he was out in 2019, it was due to a hamstring, which is usually a go-to if you just want to say a guy's not able to go that week. Yeah, definitely uh, an interesting situation for Henry and one to keep an eye on. I would, again, go pick up Hassan Haskins if you're hearing this before your waivers run. Go pick up Dontrell Hilliard. Both of those guys could be decent plug-and-play options this week. I believe uh, Hilliard. Again, I believe Hilliard's Hilliard actually right on IR, so I think it's only okay, Hassan Haskins. Yep. Wow. Okay, he would be a great pickup and play if that's the case. Uh, definitely go take a look. I am going to maybe do that in a minute here after we get done with these injuries because I have one championship matchup to prepare for. But uh, his teammate. That one of the big reasons that this is uh, such a big deal also is that Ryan Tannehill is out for the season. His, play, in a playoff, his playoff chances are unlikely as well, even if they make it. So they are going to be leaning on whatever running back it is, whether it's Derrick Henry or Hassan Haskins against the Cowboys this weekend. They're going to try and shorten that game and you know hand it off to uh, hand it off to whoever's behind center there for Malik Willis 30 times. Definitely a person to go pick up if you can. Go get him. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into these games here. Uh, we are going to try to be a little quicker tonight. Might talk a little bit more about the NFL side of these games because, again, a lot of these guys, uh, it's championship week. You kind of know where they stand. Big performances we're not going to overreact to. Um, if there's material change in somebody's fantasy value, you'll, we'll get into a discussion. But otherwise, again, you guys are pretty well aware of where these guys stand right now, and one game is not going to change uh, our feeling about a lot of these guys. Let's start with the Thursday night game, Jacksonville at New York. The Jets, 19-3 Jacksonville takes it. This was, again, another bad weather game. Went way under, 19-3. No one needed to tell you that. Uh, my stat of the game, this one is just, this. if this does not describe the New York Jets, I don't know what does. The only scoring drive they had came on a drive where they gained negative three yards. That was their first drive when they took over at about the, I think it was like the 15-yard line of Jacksonville after a Lawrence fumble, so... That should tell you everything you need to know about how this how this day went for them on offense. It was a pretty impressive showing from Jacksonville, though. Um, you know, considering against this tough Jets defense on the road with the bad conditions, they looked really good. And I don't know if you want to uh, take over because these are your Jaguars, Cody, but I was just very impressed with them on a uh, you know just a from a football standpoint. This this game again, bad conditions, and they they really showed up against a great defense on the road. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for one, Trevor Lawrence actually looked, you know, like that number one pick and that guy that he was supposed to be when he came into the league. So, um, you know, it's scary if you really just think about it from an AFC perspective. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence becomes, you know, one of those top guys, you're going to have Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Herbert all potentially 
you know, fighting for playoff spots, let alone a shot at the Super Bowl every single year. So that could just be insane for the next decade for the AFC. But uh, obviously, I think Jacksonville still has a lot of improving to do. Their defense is pretty bad. They and they looked pretty good, but it was it was a wet field, and Zach Wilson, you know, played. I think when when Chris Trevler came in, they were able to at least move the ball on the Jaguars. They just didn't get any points out of it because they weren't going for field goals at that point. They were just sticking it right. out for touchdowns. So um, the, the defense still scares me, but from an offensive per- perspective, Doug Peterson looks – him and Trevor Lawrence look like they are – are going to be a really good match for the next few years. Yeah, you can definitely start Lawrence this weekend. I actually forgot of oh, the Texans. They play the Texans this weekend. Um, you know, I think I think you can start him pretty confidently. He's looked great. The, this that Texans matchup actually hasn't been great for quarterbacks. We've talked about that, but uh, you know, this on the road at the Jets with bad conditions is a much worse matchup. And Lawrence did just fine. He scored about twenty fantasy points. Not spectacular, but three points from the other side. So he really didn't have to do too much. Etn yeah. looked pretty good too. 83 yards on the ground, 29 through the air, caught three passes, didn't score, but he was uh, he just looked good from the eye test and did okay for you for fantasy. Evan Ingram was the guy that kind of came through from a statistical perspective. Seven for 113. Uh, you can keep starting him as a low-end starter tight end. Uh, again, not going to go crazy. This guy's had down performances in the past, but uh, he's definitely an option at tight end in the starting tier. Kirk, uh, J- Christian Kirk and Zay Jones had duds, but again, really tough secondary and with bad conditions on a game that just did not have to do much. So I'm not really putting this, uh, not really affecting their value. I'm, I'm fine starting them against Houston next week. And then the Jets, complete duds from all of them. Uh, I mean, really nothing to add here. Zonovan Knight had negative two rushing yards, caught one ball. Garrett Wilson, uh, four for 31, and he fumbled. And it was a, a very fluky fumble at that. It started yeah. off my crappy week with a bang because I had him in two of my three fantasy championship lineups. So... Um, bad look from the entire offense, and there's really no other way to say it. I think they had three first downs before Zach Wilson left the game, so that should again. And then Streveler came in, did okay, but he was you know coming back. It was a 16 point game for most of the time he was in, and a lot yeah, of his production they, was from rushing. So yeah, he was. I mean, I'm pretty sure he had the highest fantasy points out of any New York Jet player, and it was basically all from yep. his rushing. So. <laughs> Um, that just is what, what is what it was. I will say I also – I think ETN popped up on some injury report for the Jaguars today. Just be on the lookout just because uh, the same thing with Henry. I mean, this game doesn't really mean too much for the Jaguars except for maybe some wild card potential. Um, so there is a chance that I guess ETN could also take a, uh, take a seat. So if you're relying on him, just double-check, make sure he's actually playing the game. Uh, I, believe, I believe he plays Sunday, so – double-check, make sure that he is actually uh, active that day. Yeah, definitely a good uh, good idea there. Take a look at ETN. Could be a great play against Houston this weekend. And then for the Jets next week, I'm fine playing them. Looks like Mike White's going to be back. He was reinstated as the starter. Yep. Garrett, it's you know it's really only two guys, Garrett Wilson and Zonathan Knight. I'm okay playing both of them. Seattle has been a bad run defense. They actually showed okay against the Chiefs this weekend. But I'm fine with Zonathan Knight and definitely – Definitely fine with Garrett Wilson with Mike White back at the helm. He fixes a lot of the issues that they have from the passing standpoint. Let's move on to the Bills at the Bears. The Buffalo takes this one 35-13, kind of ran away with it at the end there. This was a eight-point game with five minutes left, so closer than the scoreline would indicate. My stat of the game, Devin Singletary became the first 100-yard rusher for the Bills this season in a game where James Cook ran for 99 yards as well, so really just – 
dominated on the ground. The Bears have been struggling against the run all season. The Bills really took advantage of it. Another, another game that was pretty much completely uh, ruined by weather here. It was, oh, man, this was so disappointing, Cody. The Bears, I, I wasn't even at at the bar yet. I was on the way. I saw a notification. Justin Fields throws a touchdown, I think, five minutes into this one, and then the tap just completely turned off for the Bears. Um, let's talk about the Bills first just because I, I want to avoid that for a second. Um, obviously, they scored 35, but – a lot of short fields at the end when the Bears were just going for, you know, going for it on fourth down over and over. So this offense didn't do a ton other than the running backs. Josh Allen saved you with that rushing touchdown at the end, 40 yards and a score on the ground, 172 and two through the air, two picks. Again, it was, it was a very, very bad weather game. So I'm not really taking anything out of this performance. He was okay for fantasy. Stefan Diggs, managers. Yep. I, I am so sorry for you. I, I just, I am so sorry for you. That is all. This was probably the biggest, you know, like just complete weather dud and you couldn't do anything about it. You had to start Stefan Diggs. two targets, Cody, two targets. I could not yeah. believe that when I saw that after the game in the box score. Um, yeah. So I, I don't really know what you can do about that. That just, that sucks a big one. Um, luckily I played against Stefan Diggs in the one semifinal that I won. Uh, I had Garrett Wilson on my side. So those kind of equaled out, but that was a tough look. Do you want to add anything on the Bills? I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory. I'm not really buying the running game. Are you thinking that they're going to change their identity, or is this just a weather-related uh, shift? Uh, who do they play next week? Let me Cincinnati. They play Cincinnati. Oh, oh that's uh, the Monday that's night right. game. Monday yeah. night game, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to invest too much into it. Times in that one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's going to be a pretty pretty crazy game. I, I think yeah. I'm still just going to lean on the side. If I have to play one, I'm just going to lean Singletary. But I think I'm just going to go into this week the same way I felt about it. Singletary is probably somewhat safer. James Cook probably has a little bit more of a upside because he could potentially catch, you know, five or six balls if Josh Allen does throw it, you know, 50 times. So uh, I think I kind of see him the same way. Nothing really changed too much for him on uh, – changed – too much on them for me. I do have to say about Diggs, uh, one of my buddies who this is his first year playing fantasy football, so I gave him a lot of advice, helped him out. Had him starting both Stefan Diggs and Garrett Wilson in a semifinal uh, matchup this week, so sorry oh, about that if oh. you're listening. <laughs> damn. Yeah, that was that not – I was like, damn, man. I like you, that, That's the right play, but I understand why you're mad at me. That yeah, sucks. nothing you can do about that. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, uh, that, that was just kind of the, the, the sort of day that it was across the board here. Again, we'll get to all of the guys moving forward here, but Davis and Knox both get the touchdowns. They were fine. Knox a little better because he's a tight end. Davis lost a fumble, only 45 yards. So he was fine if he started him, I guess. Uh, he didn't get the massive dud he did with Diggs. And then for Chicago, man, not much to talk about here. They really just didn't have – you could just tell the Bills. They were spying maybe two – a guy on each side for Fields. He had just absolutely nowhere to run, and they had no one on the outside that could separate, and Fields had trouble getting the ball to the sideline because it was so windy and so cold. So uh, the once the Bills' defense kind of you know implemented their plan of just completely containing Fields on the ground, the Chicago Bears did not really have much of an answer for it. They scored on their first drive 145 yards total after that, so – David Montgomery, uh, about 80 total yards and a lost fumble, pretty much a dud, and then none of the receivers yep. did anything. So just a, a tough, tough day for the Bears offense. 
Yeah, they are racking up losses, and their second-round pick is the Steelers' second-round pick now I because they just, traded for uh, Chase Claypool, yep. and we were both on the podcast saying we didn't really understand why you make that move unless you just That's feel like you're getting a, a really good now. deal. Uh-huh. But, yeah, it's basically a late first at this point for Chase Claypool. And, uh, I mean, the Steelers completely swindled the the Bears. I mean, maybe Chase Claypool just gets a little bit more involved in the offseason, but you'd hope at least at this point he would have showed you something after spending a second-round pick on him. So I think that's my biggest takeaway. Uh, going into next week, I think Justin Fields still a fine starter. They get Detroit in Detroit, so it'll be oh, it'll, yeah. no weather Please. issue. And then Cole Komet, I think, just gets a bump up as well. Is really, I guess, the 100%. only you know pass catcher that's been with Justin Fields all season at this point, and uh, just I don't think I'm starting any of the other wide receiver options though. I I, no. I guess Pringle if you're nuts, but I think I actually played no, Pringle in no. our DFS matchup Please this don't. week. Did he really? scored that first <laughs> touchdown. And I was like, let's go! Very That's nice. the only ball he caught. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's about as good as you could hope for from a Bears pass catcher in this one. Definitely yep. a tough one and one that very much hurt my soul. I had Justin Fields again in two out of my three matchups, so uh, not very fun for me. I matched you Let's with go. Tua, so luckily, well, luckily I had that Tua wasn't in my third matchup. So, you, so. <laughs> we, oh, we are with, with, I'm with you on that one. Yep, I squeaked out the win in the one with Tua, but definitely felt your pain on that one. Uh, Anyway, let's move on to another wedding, uh, excuse me, weather-ridden matchup here. That's Saints at Browns. I'm just, I'm impressed they got the 27 points in this one. To be honest, uh, the Saints won 17 to 10 on the road. My stat of the game, which was very surprising to me, considering the location. I thought there'd be some some colder games than this one, but the six degree temperature at kickoff is the coldest regular season game in the history of a Brown, of the Browns at home. So I was. Pretty surprised to hear that. Thought there would have definitely been a negative game somewhere in there, but they had a one-degree playoff game in 1981. That was their coldest ever game, regular season or playoff. And that's uh, pretty much how this game played out. We told you the bomb cyclone, it lived up to its billing. Hopefully you just started the running backs and then looked away. Uh, and if you played Taysom Hill, good for you. You you know, you know won the lottery, as it were, with the, the tight end or bust guys at the end of the list there. So he got in. Got nine carries that kind of, we sort of said that narrative that if, you know, it's going to be this cold, he might get a few extra carries. It sort of worked out. Kamara was good. He got in for a touchdown in this one, 76 yards on the ground, 34 through the air. Uh, He was probably the only one that really helped you out of this game. Um, I, I don't really have much to add from these teams. Both of them are headed nowhere fast. The Saints are still actually one game out of the division race, but that just speaks more to the NFC South. Uh, I don't yeah. I don't really have much to add on the Browns either. Chubb had 100 yards, no touchdown. And that was pretty much it. Amari Cooper, I'll give you a shout-out, actually. Six, uh, six for 72. That is a lot better than I would have expected. And in, in the conditions, probably a pretty solid game. Can't be mad at him if you played him. Yeah, if he, if he had to be in your lineup last week, he, he didn't completely kill you like I thought he would. Um, nah, it did just fine. But, yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much to take away. On the New Orleans side, um, I guess if you are in a DFS situation or completely desperate, I believe, uh, what is their rookie, the other rookie wide receiver's name? Um, Rashid Rashid Shahid. Yes, thank you. Rashid Shahid uh, is just an option if you need someone to plug and play. Basically, every wide receiver option is on the IR for the Saints now. So, uh, very, very risky business there, but just an option for you. And then 
I mean, I think on the Brown side, it's just it's probably just going to be Cooper and and Joku. DPJ is going to be kind of risky, but with Deshaun Watson back there, you just you don't know what you're going to get. You know, even a few starts into his Browns tenure, so I think I'd stay away from Browns options where I can. And you know, after last week, it probably you know probably killed your playoff chances just having to play in that bomb cyclone. At Washington, yeah, not not great for the running backs. I think you got to start Chubb just because, but I wouldn't be too excited about the Browns' options next week either. Let's move on to another game that was kind of surprisingly affected, surprisingly affected by the weather. I don't know if you agree with me on that one. Maybe both these teams just had a bad day, but it really seemed like uh, this was a little weather-related. 24-10, to 10, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Seattle Seahawks at home. My stat of the game, 297 yards on offense was the lowest total of the season for the Chiefs, and I think that kind of goes to proving my point that I was trying to make here. It seemed like uh, the cold really had an impact. Uh, I had a friend of ours named Sean. Shout out to you, buddy. Uh, gave me a Snapchat from the game. He bought some tickets for his brother for Christmas. Two degrees was the uh, temperature at kickoff, so I can imagine that, you know, we talk about this a lot. Cold usually does not affect NFL games too a huge degree, but once you get down to the single digits, that's when the cold itself can really start affecting these players. We saw some drops, some uncharacteristically bad throws from both Gino and Patrick Mahomes. So I think that really did play a large part in the why this game kind of disappointed from a fantasy perspective. You don't often see the Chiefs go under 300 yards, especially in a game that was pretty close that they, you know, usually they would be, they were trying to, you know, play their offense the whole game. It's not like they, just kind of ended up running the ball a ton and, uh, you know, just sitting on this lead. I, I don't know if you disagree with me, but I, I think the weather really played a major factor in this one. Yeah, I think this one, the game that we had just talked about, and even Buffalo at Chicago, all three of those games had a lot of drops, and especially a lot of drops in the red zone. Because I feel like I, when I was watching red zone um, that morning, I mean, it just seemed like every time teams got were into the red zone or on the TV, it was just they were just drops everywhere. So, yeah, I think – I think the narrative that the cold doesn't necessarily affect anything probably uh, is limited. You know, once once you get that wind chill, and I mean, in Kansas City, it was feeling like negative ten at at one point that day. So, shout out Sean for being there. Yeah, you could actually (laughs) right before the game, like if you wanted to go tailgate and then just buy them right before you went in, you could get tickets for as cheap as ten bucks. That's that's how willing people were to not go to that game. So. yeah, it was it was freezing cold, and I think that if we're looking at a situation like this in the future where it's just extreme cold, it has to play more of a factor than maybe we thought about this weekend. So, um, you know, Goodwin, Goodwin's a guy especially. I know he had the injury, but 0-4, not putting up any fantasy points for you. I mean, his drops were, were pretty bad. So, um, yeah, just I think the cold cold has more of an impact than we thought when it's that cold. Yeah, Goodwin was disappointing, especially because his last drop was... It's hard for me to say it was a drop. Probably a ball you should catch as a wide receiver, but he was sort of... It was like a half dive, half slide in the middle of the field where he ended up kind of landing awkwardly on his wrist, and that's the the point that... I don't know if he left the game for good, but it seemed like he was severely limited after that, stayed down for a while, and uh, he... You know, basically was ineffective after that with that wrist injury. So if he would have caught that, it would have been a thirty-yard gain. And you know, if he had stayed healthy, then it could have could have led to a bigger day. But he was definitely hampered by that injury. Metcalf and Walker, the only other two options that you really uh, considered, other than Geno Smith on the offense, were fine. 
Walker had a great second half, uh, 190 yards on the ground, did not end up paying off with a touchdown, but didn't kill you. Metcalf, 7 for 81. Again, this offense just did not move a ton. I believe there was five third down conversions between the two teams. So lots of lots of punts and just not a lot of, a lot of offensive plays either way. This clock was moving the whole time. So disappointing effort from the Seahawks. Uh, but your you know your main guys did not completely kill you in this one. Geno bailed you out with that touchdown and Noah Fant, obviously, at the end. Uh, I thought there was an exchange where me and Cody were kind of going back and forth. We were having a slap fight for the first two and a half hours of our matchup. Not, neither of us was doing much, and it looked like it was going to stay a pretty close game. And I believe Noah Fant, Saquon Barkley, and Justin Jefferson scored touchdowns within, uh, you know, a real life 120 second span, and yep. it was just basically over after that. So, thank you to Noah Fant for the garbage time touchdown. That felt great after you. those other two guys scored. Yeah, fantastic. And then uh, for the Chiefs, again, same sort of story. Kelsey Mahomes did fine for you. Mahomes got three touchdowns. Kelsey six for one thirteen got basically all of his production on one drive. Uh, and then the rest yep. of the guys are pretty disappointing. As soon as I recommend Juju Smith-Schuster, of course, he completely dudded three for 27. The running backs were okay. McKinnon got bailed out by a touchdown, really, really bailed out by a touchdown. This was kind of the the McKinnon game we were worried about happening uh, if you know the things didn't go his way. Five for seven on the ground, three for 31 through the air, but got the bailout TD. Pacheco was the main runner, 14 for 58, caught a ball for 32 yards as well, so he was fine. But disappointing effort from the auxiliary options in KC. Yeah, these kind of guys probably cost you uh, probably cost you your week because none of them really did anything significant. I mean, if you played McKinnon, at least he got in the end zone for you, but that was about it. Um, I know they get Denver this week in Kansas City. The temperature is going to be a little bit better. It's supposed to be kind of mid-40s around game time. Uh, you think, I mean, would you, you willing to recommend Juju again, or are you kind of going back on that take? Now? Yeah, I think I am. I think okay. he'll be fine. Uh, I think, again, the weather's not going to be nearly as bad. Mid-40s, I'm not even factoring into my decision-making. And the Broncos moved the ball pretty well against the Chiefs last time. I think they'll get a little bit of that, you know, post-coach firing bump that teams usually get uh, just yep. from a motivation standpoint. I think they'll come out and play an okay game, and then if that's the case, Mahomes is going to have to throw. And Juju will probably be on the receiving end of some more targets. I think Mahomes ended up only attempting about, what was it, I guess, 28 passes in this one. That is, that has got to be, if not their season low, close to it. That that had a that had basically the biggest impact on Juju's targets in my mind. Yeah, no, I I I agree with you there. I, like I said, I was a little bit lower on Juju, but I think I was more concerned just with how cold it was going to be combined with some other options coming back. So yeah, I think the weather. Under, I got to give you credit. Yeah, the weather kind of I think kind of made that prediction come true more than you know the other players that I was talking about coming back making an impact so uh yeah I think Juju is still fine if you made it through that week and and there's no other option you're willing to go play um then you know you could fire him back up but uh yeah other than that though I mean the wide receiver or the running back room uh again I know we're playing against Denver I mean are you playing McKinnon and Pacheco again next week or any concerns sure. about those guys I think yeah. you just got to know what you have though they're lower end RB2s they're not the you know week winning guys most likely that you had the past couple weeks so just realize what you have and they're playable of course i mean you have mckinnon we've seen it two rb1 finishes in a row before this week so i'd be hard to get off of him especially against the team he just lit up in the denver broncos for sure yeah did you watch cam Akers? he i, I mean walter payton on sunday afternoon <laughs> uh, against the the denver broncos I, i'd start anybody against them right now for sure uh yeah. so 
I'll go right back to them. Um, let's go to the game that ruined my fantasy season. That's Giants at Vikings. 27-24, Minnesota wins it on a 61-yard field goal by Greg Joseph at the gun. Uh, my stat of the game, the Giants had a season-high 445 yards against the Vikings defense. Again, we, we talked about it at the top. The Giants, Giants offense is not great, and they made the Vikings defense look like crap once again on Sunday, or on Saturday, I guess, excuse me, but... Uh, all of these, I really, if you played any of the Giants options, they probably did just fine for you. Barkley was great. Daniel Jones had 368 total yards. I didn't do a ton of research on it, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's his most ever. Uh, Hodgins and James, Hodgins and uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James outshined Darius Slayton. Unfortunately, I was pretty high on him, but he still ended up with four for 79. So I think this says more about the Minnesota defense than anything. We've seen this Giants offense with Daniel Jones. We know what it is. And today it was finding success against a just a pretty bad defense, I think, is kind of the easiest way to say it. Yeah, got to give you credit on Slayton. I asked you, I believe it was last uh, Tuesday's episode, give me a over-under on Slayton on points on the week. And you said 10, and that is 9.9 and half PPR. So yep. that was a uh, very, very solid line. Did okay I think, yeah. yeah, I think if you played Slayton and he gets you 10 points, you kind of got what you expected. So I don't think you're upset by just, that. If you were crazy just enough to seeing play. seeing the other two options go off. Yeah, see, if you were crazy enough to play Hodgins or James this week in, in a semifinal matchup and, and they got yeah, hats you, off they you. shine for you, congrats. That's very risky, but it paid off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the or the the Giants options this week, they are at uh, – They play the Colts at home. That's right. So, I mean, we, we just saw the Colts give it up to – give it up a little bit. So, I think you, you kind of just fire the reason- up the – Okay. Uh, the reason I'd be off of them is because I think they might throw the ball 15 times with Nick Foles on the other side. We saw that offense just completely sputter against the Chargers, and I think the Giants might just try to keep this ball on the ground and let their defense take care of Nick Foles. But uh, I, I don't have fair. any problem from it, problem with it from a matchup perspective with Slayton. I just think it could be a pretty low-volume passing offense for them this week. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot how bad Nick Foles was looking the other oh, night. Man. So. Yeah, go pick up the Giants um, defense too, jeez. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, we'll get into defenses when we get to that freaking Rams-Broncos game. Uh, <laughs> Worst call of the year by just about everybody who had talked about fantasy. That's just a rough yeah. one. Oh, I, I had the Broncos in two of my three championships. Don't you worry, Cody. Uh, yep. That was that was a rough one for sure. But the Vikings pretty much, uh, you know, Great across the board, other than two names that we want to bring up here. They have a lot of options, though, so a pretty good day. Uh, Cousins really condensed his targets to two guys this week, as he did last week, but not the same two guys. This week it was Jefferson and Hawkinson. Both of them get 16 looks, both of them over 100 yards. Jefferson scores, Hawkinson scores twice. Huge games from both of them. Cousins, 303. Really sad I did not play him over Justin Fields, although I am happy Austin Eckler ended up winning by a, mid, a bigger margin than the difference between Cousins and Fields. So that decision did not end up costing me the week, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, big games from all of them. Adam Thielen, man. Uh, one catch for six yards, I believe. He completely dudded out of nowhere. Five targets, just really been phased out of the offense since uh, these, uh, you know, KJ Osborne's emerged, Hawkinson's emerged. It seems like he has just sort of become a you know, an, an afterthought rather than the second option here. I think that's really my only takeaway. Adam Thielen's kind of the big one. I would be off of him completely. And then, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook kind of a down game, but he's fine. He's Dalvin Cook. 
Yeah, so you're not going to bench Dalvin Cook even in in the championship game. So just got to live with those weeks for him. You know, next week he could end up getting two touchdowns. Um, Hawkinson, though, I just want to say he may be – I mean, we we made jokes perennial tight end six, seven. He may be top three tight end uh, from a dynasty perspective. I mean, especially if the quarterback situation doesn't change in Minnesota. I mean, Cousins looks looks his way. I mean, a crazy amount for him joining the team midseason. So they get an offseason together. I mean, Jefferson and Hawkinson may just be – the two passing options you want in Minnesota and anybody after them to are kind of boom bust wide receiver three options. Yeah, definitely has an opportunity in Minnesota and I think would be a pretty high floor option at the very least. I think, you know, you're looking at a tight end five or six at the worst. And maybe like you said, if he, if he plays the way he has his first few games in Minnesota, he could be more of a top three option. So definitely uh, an interesting player we'll see if the the vikings hang on to him i believe he needs a new contract this year if i'm not mistaken or does he get one more season in minnesota i remember feel like he got one more which is also why it was a bad deal for the lions i feel like i heard someone talking about that but not 100 percent sure i'll do some research on that let you guys know but uh yeah that's a good point by cody could be an interesting option next year for sure Bengals at Patriots. The Cincinnati Bengals take this one 22-18 on the road. My stat of the game, one of my favorite stats to give, 22-18. That's the second score Agami this year. That is a unique NFL score that's never happened before. And that is very hard to do these days, obviously, with all the games that have been played. That's number 1,075 on the history of the NFL. So thank you, Cincinnati, and thank you, Evan McPherson, for missing three kicks in this one, two extra points and a field goal to make it happen. So uh, I think this is probably the one game, again, this one did go under, again, another another game that we were expecting to be somewhat affected by weather, and I will say that this is one of the ones that really wasn't. Uh, obviously, the Bengals had a tough second half in this one, but I think that was a lot just, they just had some bad turnovers, got out of sync, their offense was on fire in the first half. I think Burrow almost had 300 yards and three scores at the break, ended up with 375, three and two picks, so he really slowed down, but still... Did just fine for fantasy. Uh, Higgins had the huge day instead of Jamar in this one. Thank you. I traded T. Higgins for Jamar Chase midseason when he was hurt in one league. So that also felt really good. 128 in the score for Higgins. 8 for 79 for Chase. And he lost a fumble. So just a bad day. Two touchdowns to Trent Irwin because, of course, uh, yeah. a little bit of a down day Trent for Mixon. Why, why is he getting red zone targets? What are we doing here? Come on. Don't ask me, Cody. Don't <laughs> ask me. I don't want to relive my my nightmares of watching number one score a touchdown twice in a row and both times Trent Irwin stands up and it's eleven instead of one. I it anyway. Uh, yep. I'll just I'm gonna I'm gonna move on because I can't keep reliving that Sunday afternoon. Joe Mixon had a tough day, but again, we kind of I, I I did mention this coming in that there was dud potential here. It wasn't a complete dud, but the Patriots have a good run D, and the uh, the pass game really just took over in this one. So uh, I don't know if you have anything to add on the Bengals, but they pretty much are what they are at this point. You're starting Burrow, Higgins, Chase, and Mixon, and you're not thinking twice. Yeah, Mixon's a little risky, I'd say, but he, he, it is what it is. He, he's an RB one in this league, so we've seen his. You gotta ceiling. just you gotta yeah, trust the volume's gonna come back his way, and, and it should just based on the way that it has been going. I, I could see them kind of correcting that and give him some some extra work this week. So I think you just gotta fire him back up. But yeah, you're definitely concerned. I mean, he's outside of basically two weeks this year. He's been average to below average, so it, it's a little bit concerning. 
feels a little Alvin Kamara to me. They both had those huge touchdown outlier games, and they have just really not had much in between exactly. those huge touchdown games. It's It just honestly strikes me as a lot of luck. Mixon still had about 100 total yards, caught seven balls. So PPR, he was fine, but just did not get in the end zone. So non-PPR, was he was just okay. On the Patriots side, uh, Jacoby Myers was fine if you were brave enough to start him. Six for 83 and a score. Ramondre Stevenson, though, completely dudded, even though uh, Damian Harris ended up sitting in this game once again. 11 for 30 on the ground. This Cincinnati run defense is really good, by the way. I think that gives me a lot of confidence in Buffalo's pass catchers next week. They're going to need to throw a lot. Two for five for three yards through the air. That's usually his saving grace, just... Did not happen for Stevenson today. He lost a fumble at the end of the game, too. So total dud from him. Cody did overcome it, thankfully, uh, for his end. But, yeah, Ramondre Stevenson, complete dud on Sunday. Thank you, Austin Eckler. Thank you, Saquon Barkley. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Justin Jefferson. Let's go ahead and move on. (laughs) Detroit at Carolina. This, I mean... I, I don't even I don't really know how to react to this game. Carolina, 37 to 23 wins at home. I started the game. This one's pretty easy. Carolina set franchise records for rushing yards, 320. Total yards, 570. Because of course they did. Uh, after we recommended basically a full bench on all Carolina options, not named DJ Moore. Thank you, football. You make absolutely no sense sometimes. Um, on Detroit's side. Jared Goff had a great day in the comeback effort, uh, 355 and three. DJ Chark caught a couple deep balls in this one, four for 108. Amon St. Brown was fine, 13 targets, but only seven for 76. And the reason those two were just fine is because Jane Zilstra, yes, everyone's favorite streaming tight end, caught all three <laughs> touchdowns. So thank you for that one, Jared Goff. You ruined my fantasy season. I needed two of those to Amon Ross St. Brown, and you threw them to your third tight end all three times so just excellent thank you very much for I was that. Say, yeah, add on the lines jared golf was on my bench this week but he definitely helped me win because he did not want to throw a touchdown to st brown for whatever reason nope, no he did not so uh, that I, was, I two of them he, bounced off his hands in the end zone but yeah yeah he was my uh my quarterback in my work league on, on espn so they like shoot out a notification whenever your one of your players scores so i kept seeing passing touchdown by jared golf i'm like oh damn Go check sleeper. All right, not the same Brown. We're good. <laughs> just keeps, keeps going to Zilstra. I was like, oh my gosh, but completely lucky. I mean, that's fantasy football. Just you, you play same Brown without a doubt, and probably any given week he gets two out two out of those three. And this for some reason this week Shane Zilstra ends up with three of them. And then a giant dud from both of the running backs in this one. My goodness, seven for eleven for Williams, and then. I believe one catch for DeAndre Swift and less rushing yards than Jamal Williams in this one. So both of them, I mean, not even two points in PBR leagues. It's just a completely disappointing effort. And don't really know what you can do about it. Carolina's been really up and down with their run defense this year. They showed up today, and then once they got that huge lead, they just, you know, they turned to Jared Goff and said, keep slinging it. So that was uh, that was a problem for the running backs. Yeah, I also got to say I'm so sorry I included this on my best bets. I, I was 100% a public square better hey, there, taking Detroit minus yeah. two and a half. I, I wish we would have talked him out this week because I feel like he probably would have talked me off that one. I don't. I just had a sense, but that was just a that was a bad fucking bet. Sorry, guys. Yeah, sometimes that was one of those. Definitely, they like you said that Vegas was kind of trying to bait you into. They knew something. Oh, 100 clearly. Yeah. 
Um, and then on the on the Carolina side, I I don't I, again I, I don't know if we want to overreact here. Who who is Carolina playing next week? I don't know if you know. They're playing the Buccaneers on the road against Tampa. I'm not sure if I'm going to be trusting these guys next week, but man, they had huge days. Obviously, 320 total rushing yards leaves a lot on the board, and both of them had uh, you know a lot of success. 165 and a score for Foreman, his career high in rushing yards. Chuba Hubbard, 12 for 125. Uh, yeah, again, I'm not taking a ton from this. I think Foreman and Hubbard are both flex options at best on the road against Tampa next week. Are you changing your opinion on them, or do you agree with me? Nope, not at all. I, I also, the same buddy that I helped, I had told him to uh, sit Deontay Foreman and start Zonovan Knight. So. As you should. But, oh, no. <laughs> Sorry about that again. <laughs> oh, man. man I would have made the same call, but that is, yeah, that is just, that's the NFL. Makes zero sense sometimes. There's nothing yep. you can do. DJ Moore came through, 583 and a score. Uh, there's really no other options that are even fantasy relevant here. So, Carolina. Figured out Detroit's run defense where no one else had the past eight weeks just makes absolutely what a no dud. sense. But I mean, that's just from an yeah. NFL perspective, man. like, come on, right. man. Like, I feel like everyone's rooting for the Lions. They just let down the entire, like, NFL world last week. because Yeah, they fell flat in their face for sure. Yeah. Hate to see it. Falcons at Ravens. Another game severely affected by weather, or this was just too pretty bad offenses. I think that could be said. This could easily have been 17-9 in good conditions. So my stat of the game, another team that had their coldest ever home game, 14 degrees in Baltimore, is the coldest in history. So I think it probably had a little bit to uh, to play here. But on the Falcon side, we actually have a couple guys to talk about, which is probably better than we could have said before. Tyler Algier, we told you to go pick him up. He is going to be a great option this week against Arizona. He has taken over. He had the targets in this one. I think that's the, you know, that was the big one for me. That kind of just signaled that they have kind of turned this thing over to Algier. 18 carries for 74 yards, four or five through the air for 43 more yards. And I believe Cordero ended up with eight carries. So I think Algier is a pretty safe play against Arizona next week. That's my biggest takeaway here. I'm not sure I'm ready to risk it with Drake London, especially with Desmond Ritter throwing on the ball, though he did look pretty good. So props to him. Yep, I'm right there with you. Good call on Algier. That uh, preseason hype that, that you had for him finally paying off. So Only um, 17 weeks to materialize, Cody. I, I knew it all along. I had no doubt. You, I will say, I mean, he, I think he's a guy that probably could have got a little bit more work, you know, through the middle part of the season when Cordero Patterson went out. Like, they, they were splitting him with Caleb Huntley. I feel like Algier, if he had gotten the workload that he's been getting over the past few weeks, he probably could have shined a little bit earlier. So seems to have a skill set of a three down back also. So uh, no, really good. Yeah, call I like on his your tape. Yeah. I think uh, yeah, he's interesting. If they don't draft a running back next year, he's going to be a very interesting mid round running back, but Atlanta just profiles as a team that will either invest money in running back or draft one highly. So we'll see. But if he ends up being the starter going into camp, very, very interesting for sure. And yep. then on the Ravens side, Massive disappointment from J.K. Dobbins, 12 for 59. That's fine on a you know just a per-carry basis, but this is the worry with Dobbins. If he doesn't score and he doesn't get the work, obviously it's going to be tough for him because he just does not catch any passes. He was outshined by Gus Edwards. He's, he was sort of the closer in this one, 11 for 99 for Gus. So Baltimore just uses multiple backs. Sometimes one of them gets hot, and they sort of just end up closing out the game. That's what happened here. 
tough look for Dobbins, but I am still fine starting him next week against Pittsburgh. He just, you know, went off for 120 yards against them, uh, excuse me, a couple weeks ago. So I'm just fine with him. Do you have any uh, differing opinions on these backs? Um, I, I don't really have any differing opinion about him. I'd say that I agree with just about everything you said. I started Dobbins in the league that I lost. So, yeah, I, I felt all of that disappointment um, seeing Edwards run all over uh, Baltimore – or, sorry, running all over Atlanta the way that I expected uh, Dobbins to do. But I think uh, – and even just kind of looking through some of the games we've already talked about, when a team loses their starting quarterback or, you know, their starting quarterback's, you know, injured or anything like that, it really it does affect all of the other options. Like you would expect the running game to, you know, I guess it still had a good day on the ground, but just you would you feel like you can rely on those options because you have Tyler Huntley as a quarterback and you know they're gonna have to run more and then it's just the other guys. So just just rough. Seemed like a couple situations like that happened this weekend where just guys you weren't expecting to get the more of the workload did and that was definitely one of them. Yeah, Tyler Huntley has been a pretty big disappointment to me. I feel like he was he actually showed himself to be maybe an interesting player last year with Lamar out, uh, was able to move the offense much more efficiently than he has so far this year. So disappointing yeah. uh, stint from him. Mark Andrews has suffered. Three for 45, he struggled again. Man, I don't really know what to do here. If Lamar comes back, I think I'm going to recommend starting him, but you're probably not going to be very happy. I mean, you're just really hoping he scores at this point. It's just he has not looked like himself since that midseason injury. Yep, it's, uh, it's been rough as a Mark Andrews owner who, uh, you know, kind of basically watched him fizzle out. So, yeah, probably, like you said, unless you have anybody that you feel more confident playing, you're probably putting them out there, but you really only want to if it's Lamar. If you if you were able to make it through Mark Andrews kind of crap in the bed for you the past couple of weeks, then hopefully you have another tight end or there's someone out there you can plug and play if Tyler Huntley's playing because it's just it's not the same as it was last year. and We have multiple games to back that up. So I feel much more justified in saying that even though as good as Mark Andrews is, if Tyler Huntley's the quarterback, I mean, some of those touchdown or bust tight ends are are better options, as crazy as that yeah, is the, to say. Yeah, the pass volume has just completely disappeared. I mean, you were looking at around 30 throws a game from Huntley when he played last year, and it's around, you know, it's in between 15 and 20 right now. You just can't count on that low of a volume. Yep, Absolutely. You want to go ahead and take over Houston at Tennessee, my man? Let's do it. Houston at Tennessee. Houston ends up sneaking out a win. Actually kind of sneakily Very called this one call, last Cody. week. Very yeah, good call. I was, that was before, say we were waiting for this one. Yeah, before Tannehill went down, I or I knew he was going to be down. I did. I did like Houston just in general this week. They've kind of been on a little bit of a hot streak. And I'd say with the emergence of this offense, um, really none of the running backs are fantasy relevant. You're not going to play them in your championship Uh Nope. Lineup, but I mean, if you have injuries or something and you need some kind of flex option, I'd say Brandon Cooks could be flex, but you know, he's a touchdown or bust wide receiver three Ugh. type. So Ugh. they play Jacksonville, it's very nasty, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But I don't recommend it. But if you're just in a bind, he's someone on Houston you can at least turn to. Um, on the Tennessee side, you, you can't really turn to anybody. No, no pass catchers are an option. You can't play Malik Willis and uh. There's a chance Derrick Henry sits. So it may be Hassan Haskins and bust for this Tennessee offense this week, which is just nasty in general. So um, I think if, if you're the Henry manager and you, Haskins made it through waiver wires and you're listening to this, go pick him up just to be 100% safe. But, again, that's just kind of a backup. We, we hope that Henry's able to play this week. 
Yeah, um, I agree with you. Go pick up Haskins. Uh, I don't really have much to offer on this game. I am not very interested in any of these options uh, other than picking up Hassan Haskins in case Derrick Henry sits. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Houston, I would be avoiding Brandon Cooks at all costs. I, I, I think that is a very big last resort option. So uh, please only play a Tennessee running back out of these two teams moving forward. Yep, fair enough. All right, let's go ahead and move to Washington at San Francisco. San Francisco took care of this one pretty easily, 37-20. to 20. Uh, Brock Purdy looks, looks still looking pretty good. Um, you think? I mean, obviously we'll see. Yeah, we'll see uh, We'll see how the playoff run kind of works out for San Francisco here, but they may, uh, they may have found may have find, found Kyle Shanahan's next uh, Kirk Cousins there for him, so – We'll see how that situation plays out. But on from the fantasy side, I think on the Washington side, the only guy you're really looking at potentially adding is Jahan Dotson. Uh, he's kind of a plug-and-play guy. Most likely he's going to have to have been rostered by the time you're hearing this, but just wanted to throw his name out there in case he's out there in some leagues. But, Nick, from an NFL perspective, obviously we saw Carson Wentz come in, uh, end up scoring a touchdown on one of the final drives. Would you rather see uh, Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke as the quarterback for the potential postseason run for the Washington Commanders? Um, I, I guess I'd rather see Heineke. I don't really know if it makes that much of a difference, but I think the only reason I'd say that from a fantasy perspective is just because I have more confidence in Terry McLaurin with Heineke playing. Uh, if it's just a pure NFL, I, I don't really know if there's much difference, to be honest with you. I think Wentz offers them a little bit more in the way of upside, I guess. But I think Heineke's – I trust him more in a late-game situation. So it just – what do you want if you're Washington? Do you want the you know the high ceiling with Wentz and the possible late-game buffoonery? Or do you want Heineke's just kind of – you know he has sort of that it factor. If you're down six late, you got a good chance with him you know with the ball. That's sort of the, the question they'll have to ask themselves. Yeah, and I think it's hard to say Carson Wentz is a high ceiling kind of guy because we haven't even seen him That's, anywhere near a ceiling yeah. in years and years. So, um, yeah, it's I, all relative, guys. It's all yeah. relative. I know, obviously, you know, Wentz is the the big money guy there, so I mean, he'll probably end up getting some work down the stretch. I don't know if they listed a starter today. I think maybe they will tomorrow. So, um, yeah, just kind of an odd situation there. Definitely, you know, it does affect Terry McLaurin. So it. I mean, I think you're playing them either way, but you would rather see Heineke there if you are the McLaurin owner. Uh, the San Francisco side, I don't think anything really changes. Um, with, with Purdy back there, he unlocked George Kittle a little bit. He's been amazing. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is is who he is. He's really good at football. You're going to keep playing him. I think uh, Ayuk is, you know, he's boom bust, but I, he he has been that all season. So I feel like, he hasn't really emerged since Debo went down. It's been more of George Kittle, but IU kind of still remains that second pass catching option. So any, you know, if you made him through last week and he's your flex, you could probably still flex him again and just hope he gets a touchdown this week. And then Purdy himself is streamable, but I'd say if you're in your championship matchup, you probably have a better option. But if you're someone who's been relying on Tua, I think Purdy's a guy you may want to check that waiver wire, see if he's still out there. Yeah, absolutely. They play the Raiders this week yep. uh, again. Not, not, the weather situation across the the league should be a lot better this weekend, so we don't really have to worry about that aspect of it. But still, they play in a dome. You like that any point this time of year, and the Raiders are bad. That's those are two things that I like to uh, just abide by. So Purdy is a solid option for Jalen Hurts owners in case he doesn't play, or like you said, Tua owners. And then yeah, the rest of the options: Ayuk, uh, Kittle, and McCaffrey. We're starting all of them. 
Absolutely. All right. Philadelphia at Dallas. Dallas ends up getting this one 42-34 and what was a really good game for uh, Christmas Eve afternoon. So if you got that game or if that was the one you were tuned into, uh, you were watching definitely the better of the two games. This game was a lot of fun. Uh, I think Philly had a pretty good showing without Jalen Hurts, but they definitely need his playmaking ability to beat you know some of these better teams in the NFC like Dallas, like uh, the 49ers. So um, you know, hopefully Jalen Hurts. I I only say that as a concern because I know that you know now they have a little bit more pressure on the one seed, so they mentioned potentially bringing him back this week for the Saints. I want Jalen Hurts healthy. I mean, if we have to play one more game in the playoffs, I think I'd be okay with that rather than running him out there at the risk of him getting re-injured or re-aggravating it. So I, I don't know what your take is on that, but I just I, – I wouldn't rush him back. I think get him completely healthy, and that's, that's your best chance to make a Super Bowl run. I don't know. Did this not lower your opinion of Jalen Hurts even slightly? I mean, Minshew steps in against a good defense on the road. He throws for 355 at 8.9 yards per attempt. I mean, this guy has been a quality NFL quarterback. You know, I'd say probably an above average backup in the league. And, you know, that there's something to be said for that. But the fact that he just stepped in and operated this offense so cleanly i mean he had a couple picks so i guess that was the difference in this one but still 34 points on the road against dallas nothing to sniff your you know sniff your nose at and oh no you know Minshew just looked good i think these i think that this says a lot more to me about how good these pass catchers are and just this offense is in general than anything else well i think i, I mean I, I, zero sacks too god this offensive line is so good yeah, I mean, yeah, I could I could literally just use that to key, help my argument there. Like, what is the point of bringing Jalen Hurts back this week with how good Gardner Minshew just looked against Dallas? So, I mean, I, I don't think it really lowers my opinion on Jalen Hurts because I think he just offers something different as a quarterback. Like, they're, they're, it's not like a Lamar-Tyler Huntley situation where they kind of run similar, similar kind of offenses for both of them. I feel like Minshew just doesn't move like Jalen, so their offense is probably so you think, dialed up a little bit differently than than it would it would be normally. Do you think Jalen hurts? If Jalen hurts starting this game, do they win? Um, I mean, that's that's hard to say because I mean either the I mean the interceptions could be could ended up differently, but I mean same thing with Jalen hurts could have fumbled on you know one of his rushing attempts or something, so. I mean, it, it literally comes down to a bounce in a lot of situations. So I would say it would have been a very close game just like this. I think the the last um, drive that, that Philly had, I think Gardner Minshew didn't really look his best on. Maybe that would have been the difference in the game. But, you know, it, it comes down to that final drive either way. I think you're looking at two of, two of the top three teams in the NFC probably. So it's just really, really good teams going at it. Yeah, 100%. Hopefully we see this one again in the playoffs at some point. could be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, and from a fantasy aspect, nothing changes my mind about any of the options. I think all of them could be played, but there's a lot of mouths to feed, so you just have to be careful that you know any given week it may not be your player, but any given week your player could score two touchdowns in this offense, so you just got to play them and, and deal with the lumps. So I think that's about it on Philadelphia. On the Cowboys side, uh, they play on Thursday night. I think everyone who we've been playing is still in there. Uh, Pollard popped up as questionable. I believe on Monday, Jerry Jones said he would play, but then he did not practice on Tuesday like Nick pointed out. Um, I thought he was for sure going to be in, but now that, you know, a little bit more speculative there. So just keep an eye if you are, if you've been relying on Pollard. 
Uh, and again, he does play on Thursday night, so make sure he's in your running back slot if you are if you if he does go and you are going to play him. Yeah, Pollard's banged up, and they are going against a Derrick Henryless, Ryan Tannehillless Tennessee Titans team. I would hope that they can win that game without his services, get him healthy and ready for the playoff run. But yeah, uh, yeah, like you said, if Jerry wants him to play and he's good to go, then he'll probably suit up. I would be a little worried though if I'm a Tony Pollard manager, though. Honestly, I, it it does scare me. I think there's a chance that if they're up multiple scores in the second half, that they just kind of sit him down because of this, uh, this injury off the, you know, the short rest that they're going to have for Thursday night. So I, I am very scared as a Tony Pollard manager, my one championship game, I have Pollard uh, in my lineup. So I, it's going to be a very tough decision for me, especially if I get a, a claim in on Haskins, you know, I'll have a few good options to replace him with. Yeah. And you, I mean, from an NFL perspective, if you're Dallas, this is why you run the two headed monster at running back for, you know, if one gets banged up and needs to take a week off, so he can, you know, show up and get 20, you know, 20 ish carries and, and carry that backfield for the week. So yeah, I think you're right. I think if you are a Pollard owner, I mean, I am in my third place matchup. And so I guess I haven't been paying too much attention, but uh, yeah, I, a little bit, a little bit concerning for sure. Um, so just keep your eye out for that. And then, yeah, like you said, Haskins is probably your best plug-and-play running back option this week. So go out there and get him. Um, Las Vegas at Pittsburgh. This was probably one of my favorite games to just uh, – just the way that it happened was just amazing for me. Uh, we had Pittsburgh winning 13-10. to Get home from Christmas Eve at Victoria's grandpa, grandpa's house and just got to see the Steelers take the lead, got to see the Pickens touchdown. And then immediately after, you get to see Derek Carr throw, you know, just a Christmas present interception, Christmas Eve present interception, and just in there, <laughs> basically in their hopes at the playoffs. I know that they have a chance if basically they win and everyone else loses, but they're basically out of it. I mean, I know the Broncos are going to end up as the fourth place team, but I think Nick did a really good job of nailing Vegas this year. They they were pretty bad from the start, and they just continue to find ways to lose games. Um, next week they get the 49ers in a week. I mean, week 17 championship week. That's a little concerning. You know, Josh Jacobs Yikes. or Devontae Adams. These guys are locks no matter what, right? Or, or are you considering you? No, you have to start them, especially because Jacobs just gets so much work. And the 49ers secondary has actually been a little bit leaky. So um, I, I can't see how you'd ever even consider sitting Adams no matter the matchup. And that one might not be as bad for Adams' side as it is for Jacobs, but Again, Jacobs has been the number one or number two back, depending on what format you're in. You're just you're just not sitting him in championship week. Yep. Yeah, I feel you there. Um, definitely, I think the ancillary guys, though, you could probably avoid in that oh, matchup yeah. next week. Uh, on Maybe the Pits- Waller. Yeah, Waller you could probably play, but like I said, there's always an asterisk back when it comes to tight end. So, yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh, they get to play the Ravens next week. Um, I think I like Najee in that matchup for them. I think, you know, Fryer Mute's going to be a good option. So if he's been your tight end you've been relying on, I think you can keep him locked in. Um, I think, you know, even the next week, Pickens and Johnsons are, you know, wide receiver three slash flex options in, in super deep leagues. So um, I don't really think anything changes with Pittsburgh. I don't think I really saw anything that changed my mind about Pickett or any of the wide receiver options. They all kind of just remained basically exactly what they have been all season. I wish they would have actually done a little bit more against uh, a pretty weak defense, but they, they didn't really show you anything to be too uh, excited about going into next week. Yeah, another one of these games where it was just like, looked like 
super cold night in Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, the nightcap here, so probably even colder than it was during the day. And it seemed to affect both these teams. I know we expected a low-scoring game, but 13-10 to 10 was... Uh, you know, probably even a little lower than we would have thought. And that included a, you know, a last second drive touchdown from the Steelers to make it 13-10. So thank you for covering my best bet, Mr. Uh, Mr. Pickett, for that last drive there. Got me to 2-1 and one on the week. But, Lovely. yeah, I think it's picking pickins out of the wide receiver room if you're playing them. My God, I can't keep that straight. And then Fryermuth from the tight end position, and Najee Harris is an okay option as well. Good to see him get involved in the passing game. I believe he caught six balls in this game. Yep, and Mike Tomlin's streak of winning seasons is still alive at this point. Uh, if Tyler Huntley plays next week against Baltimore, this may be a very interesting chance, uh, yeah. week 18 for Mike Tomlin. And Cleveland at home. Yep. Oh, yeah, there, there's there's a chance. <laughs> Love to see it. Absolutely. All right, Sunday, Sunday games here. We've got Green Bay at Miami that started us off. Green Bay takes this one 26-20. Uh, definitely a little bit surprising here. I I. Did not bet this one. I think I would have taken the Miami side. I just kind of expected them to kind of turn back into that offense being back home, and we just did not get that. Um, on the Green Bay side, Christian Watson is probably the biggest takeaway from this game. Um, we'll see. I know Nick said he's day-to-day on the injury report. I think if he if he plays against the Vikings, he's definitely going to be flexed or in the wide receiver spot oh, in my yes, lineup. you got to play him against the Vikings. So um, hopefully he gets back and – and he's good wide to receiver go. two this um, way at, at maybe even a high end one the vikings are horrible <laughs> yeah and then i think that also opens up the door for i mean if christian watson misses i got a i got a nice uh, waiver claim back for alan lazard who i had to drop last <laughs> yes. week so <laughs> absolutely <laughs> give me him yeah, back and i'm alan sorry lazard i dropped sure. you come on come on back home <laughs> um yeah, and especially then if watson doesn't play damn yeah ex- exactly yeah he, he would be a nice you know back in mm-hmm. wide receiver two or, or wide receiver three option at worst so uh, I think that they're pass catchers, and if you're someone who's going to have to rely on Romeo Dobbs, I mean, you can he could potentially be flexible next week as well. Like you said, Minnesota is terrible against the uh, on defense in general. Um, Aaron Jones is probably the biggest question mark going into this week. We'll obviously what his stat and see what his status ends up being. Uh, do you think he's a an auto lock if he plays for your lineup, or or do you want to see some positive news come out for him first? Um, I do want to see some positive news. This one's scary. This kind of reminds me of our DeAndre Swift, Tony Pollard situations that we've discussed earlier in this podcast. It's going to be tough to know whether the Packers are going to activate him and then use him in a complimentary role to AJ Dillon, uh, could lead to some fewer carries, but Aaron Jones has such a big upside. And again, this Vikings defense is just so bad, uh, in your fantasy championship, I'm going to be hard pressed to get away from him. If it's a non PPR league, I could see it a little bit easier, but uh, again, if you've gotten to the fantasy championship with Aaron Jones on your team and you're playing against the Minnesota Vikings in the championship game, I am very hard pressed to put him, uh, put him on the bench as long as he has marked healthy going into the game. But it is, it is pretty scary. I won't lie. I like Dylan too, honestly, in this game, uh, just because I think he will get some extra carries. And again, this is just a bad Vikings defense. Dylan's been on a roll. I think it's better, better odds than not that he scores. Yep, perfect. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, he's been getting uh, he's been getting a touchdown. I believe that's four straight weeks that he's had one, and he had one with two touchdowns. So yeah, yeah. I mean, if Aaron Jones is questionable all week, I think AJ Dillon is is definitely a good play against that uh, Minnesota defense. And then 
Uh, for the Miami side, I mean, this is just this is rough. I mean, they get, and it gets worse because you're probably going to have Teddy Bridgewater going to go play the Patriots in Foxborough next week. Excuse me. So that's just going to be uh, a nice question mark over all of your you know valuable fantasy assets that you've had all season. Um, I think the wide receivers are probably locked in, and you're probably not going to be able to sit Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill. They are just too good. You'd have to have a really yep. high-level pivot. Um, I think two is a 100% avoid, even if he plays. I mean, I, w- I don't think that he's yep. going to be able to play. But, you know, if he passes protocol, it's just an, the way NFL players seem to be wired, he is going to want to play. So that just may be just an awkward situation. So I think I if 100% avoid him. You should have a pivot option. And then Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, I don't even really know what to say about this anymore. Um, nope. I think no, either one of them you can play, but it's just a question mark if you're going to flex them. So you, you just got to – hopefully you have a better pivot option or someone more reliable for your championship matchup. I hate to say yeah. that, but it's just a complete question mark. You don't know how it's going to end up getting split next week. Great defense on the road. Uh, great run defense at least. They've been a exactly. little leaky uh, in the secondary, but that should only further – you know go to the fact that they might not run the ball very well. And then you just don't know how this is going to go. could be 50-50 again, could lean Wilson's way, could lean Mostert's way. It's gone back and forth very quickly without much rhyme or reason, you know, in the past few weeks. So I am not comfortable starting either one of them. Yep, I feel that. I have Jeff Wilson on my bench, and uh, I think if I get Hassan Haskins, I think, yeah, I'm playing him over him for sure. If uh, As you should. If Derek Henry were to sit, so – um, but let's go ahead and move to that afternoon game on Sunday, like Nick alluded to. Denver at the Los Angeles Rams. Rams take this one 51 to 14. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just hanging out with the family on Christmas Day. Really didn't watch this one too much, but just kind of checked the score periodically. And I mean, I was completely baffled whenever I was looking at it. So um, I think from a fantasy perspective, a lot, a lot of question marks here. Um, let's start on the start on the Denver side. Uh, we'll have boots on the ground, so you know we'll be able to let you know if the weather gets too bad. But it should be good for them in Kansas City this week. Looks I think. Good, uh, yeah. I think it, the one thing that you never know when it comes to head coaches being fired is sometimes that can like reinvigorate a locker room if they just really didn't like the guy. Obviously, we saw the Colts win in Jeff Saturday, Saturday's debut. I think they have two wins under his tenure, and they were in the first two or three weeks. After that, it's basically fallen off. So. Sometimes there can just be a nice rah-rah moment that the team gets fired up around. So um, especially this kind of this team that's probably just looking forward to the future at this point. So they may they may get up for this one. Um, Latavius Murray, Corlin Sutton, I, 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 even Jerry Judy. I mean, I think they're all pretty risky plays, but they just have the matchup with Kansas City. Are you good locking them in this week? I like Jerry Judy. I'm a little bit more – off of Cortland Sutton just because he's coming back from that injury and Judy has just really looked like the one lately, but he torched Kansas City last time he played them, and this should be another game where Russ is going to have to throw for better or for worse quite a bit, and uh, yeah, I think Judy's the only option that I am excited to start, and I am legitimately excited to start him. I think he's a good play. Yeah, absolutely. He has seemed to uh, at least have somewhat of a connection with Russell Wilson in a season where it's looked very questionable, so that's at least one positive note. Um, I guess I, while we're while we're on the Broncos, I just wanted to see: Do you have any any idea of where you think they should go in the future? I don't know if you saw the story; their defensive coordinator was offered the head coaching job for the rest of the season. 
uh, as interim head coach, he turned it down, said he just wanted to focus on the defense. Um, I know Dan Quinn, someone that's always rumored when it comes to the Broncos for some reason. Do you think he's the uh, the option you'd want to go to, or, or is there anyone Absolutely. you have your mind on? No, thank you. Um, yeah, definitely not Dan Quinn. I'd be okay with the uh, with Averro. Honestly, it seems like he's uh, he's a young guy. The guys play hard for him, and he's coached up the defense pretty well this year. Seems like he's kind of an X's and O's guys too. So I would appreciate somebody that has a little bit more of just a mind for football. Um, and you know, I don't have a strong opinion about it yet. I'm going to need to get a better look at the candidates that we actually start interviewing. But I, I think yeah. if I had to choose somebody right now, I would just go with Averro because he has been you know the one constant bright spot for the Broncos so far this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is also kind of him and Matt rule are just, you know, got to watch out when you're getting these like executive kind of head coaches that don't particularly coach one side of the football or aren't X's and O's oriented. Cause it just seems like sometimes they can get lost and, and they aren't able to help out one side of the football. And then you just get a season like this. So I feel like we see we have been seeing less and less of that. Like a lot of head coaches that take over are really good on one side of the ball, um, you know. But I don't know. I feel like this one was just. Uh, I mean, it's just a rough hire. I feel like they kind of thought Aaron Rodgers would end up coming with them, and then they made the move for Russ. So uh, hopefully, like I said, he's gone. They can get someone in there this off season, and uh, whether it's an offensive head coach or just an offensive coordinator to go along with the defensive head coach, hopefully they can just turn it around and make some of these uh, fantasy options viable for next year. But the Rams side, I think it's pretty easy. I mean, Cam Akers, Cam Akers is a flexible option for week 17. I mean, I, I don't even like that I have to say that, but he is what he is. He was the running back one last week. Don't like I've been it. saying, you just you never know who's going to give you points. So if you are desperate, he is someone that is available that could be an option um, for you. And then I, I'm not going to call my shot on Tyler Higby. I, I would not be relying on him. I know he looked pretty good in this game, but uh, just I'm not going to take the one-week sample size. I'm not going to drop someone that I've been relying on, uh, like a Friar Muth or anyone above him for, no. for Tyler Higby. So. No, they play the Chargers next week. That's obviously going to be in SoFi, so the conditions will be fine. But – um, they've, they've actually been playing really well on defense the past few weeks. They have kind of figured something out uh, with Brandon Staley at the helm there. Yep. So I, I'm not buying this Rams offense. I mean, just an absolutely embarrassing effort from the Broncos. I want to I want to just make this point real quick. I think, you know, going into this game, Baker Mayfield's your quarterback or your opposing quarterback as the Broncos defense. What are you trying to stop? Okay, we are trying to make Baker throw it outside the numbers to the receivers. We're limiting the play action. We're limiting the run. I think that's obviously what any you know sensible defense would try to do in this situation against a quarterback that's very new to this system and just has not looked very good so far this year. But the leading receiver for the Rams uh, from the wide receiver room was Van Jefferson. He had 19 yards. Tutu Atwell had 14 yards. Brandon Powell had 12 <laughs> yards. Tyler Higby had 94. Bryson Hopkins, the second tight end, had 57. Cam Akers had 29. And then Cam Akers had 118 on the ground, 37 from my, uh, Malcolm Brown and Kyron Williams. So I I don't know what the game plan was, but it I feel like they just they just kind of gave up here. This was really just a, a team that was tired of the situation. And once Russell threw those just – ridiculously awful, horrible picks to start the game. They they completely just quit. That's what it really looked like. 
Yep, I, I agree with you there. I, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, I'm I'm gonna say the same thing I've been saying about Cam Akers. You can play him if you're desperate, but you just you don't know what you're gonna get from him week to week. He's looked good. If you're gonna, the Chargers need to win, so yeah, they're see, not gonna they're not gonna quit. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, that, that's I don't feel any differently just because they they ran it up on the Broncos, especially like you said, it kind of looked like they had quit anyway. Uh, but let's go on to Sunday nights, Tampa Bay at Arizona. Uh, 19 to 16, Tampa Bay takes this one in overtime. Probably one of the worst watches of the weekend. Ugh. I mean, I would have rather watched every single game in the weather again than have to watch this one once. This was just terrible. Um, so Tampa Bay is not a Super Bowl contender. I mean, I know that they're probably going to be in the playoffs and may see Dallas in week one, which people are going to see interesting. But if Dallas is at all as good as I think that they are right now, they will boat race Tampa Bay. Uh, they are just awful on – I mean, they're not even awful on defense, but they were playing against Trace McSorley at 16-16 going to overtime. That's just uh, – I can't believe that actually happened. Like, I, I would have just – I would have never have imagined that – they can only put up 16 on this Arizona defense. Yeah, I mean, in a season of bad performances from Tom Brady, this might have been his worst. Uh, he was sitting in the mid-100s in passing yards with two picks late into the fourth quarter in this one. Like you said, a very bad Arizona defense. And I just don't understand the Buccaneers' strategy at all in this one. Uh, I mean... Looked like their running game was doing very well right off the start, especially with Rashad White at the helm. But then they just decided to give Leonard Fournette the ball up the middle and have him go for three or four yards 20 times instead of giving it to the young explosive back that had looked good on his first couple carries. Didn't make a ton of sense. Uh, I, I don't understand the way this this team operates, and I, I really think it kind of falls on uh, the coach here. I I'm just not a very big fan of, um, excuse me, I forgot his name. Let me. Todd Bowles. You, Todd Bowles, thank you. Yeah, I've never been a fan, and I think he is one of the biggest reasons this team is just not what it was. The The play calling is completely different from when Arians was there. It, it It's all lost all aggression. It's totally predictable, and I, uh, yeah, I think the leadership on this team has really failed them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it almost seems like they want to miss the playoffs so Tom Brady can just be done with the Buccaneers <laughs> even sooner. Doesn't even have to suit up for that playoff game, but that just is what it is. And for the fantasy options, I think Fournette was the only one that was inspiring that, you know, if you have him, if you're going to have to play him next week. But besides that, the rest of the guys, you all know what they are. On the Arizona side, uh, we'll see what happens if Trace McSorley is going to be the starter again. Not sure what um, – <clears throat> what Cole McCoy's injury status looks like. But if, if Trace McSorley is the guy, give me James Conner, and, and the rest of them are all risky. I mean, I can't imagine sitting uh, D-Hop, but McSorley sucks, and, and we just saw what he did this week. So, I mean, if you if you made it if you made it through despite D-Hop, you know, I mean, it's, again, another tough guy to bench, but may, may be able to find a, a safer option this week. Yeah, 10 targets for DeAndre Hopkins in this one. One catch for four yards. That is um, that is not good. Trace McSorley is not an NFL-level player, not even an NFL-level backup uh, or anywhere close to it. 4.8 yards per attempt on 45 throws. 57.4 quarterback rating. I could go on. Uh, two fumbles lost, had an interception. So he is not very good, and I think I would consider pivoting off of Hopkins if you have you know decent options on your bench. Just don't want to trust that quarterback play. It's not NFL caliber. 
Yeah, well, be careful what you're talking about because he uh, he took the goat to overtime, so he just he has that hit factor. Yeah, that's that true. You love to see. No, I I'm guess just kidding. So. <laughs> no, he has that James so Conner factor. He yeah. looks great. Uh, yeah, James Conner looks amazing. Um, he's a guy that I mean probably got traded at some point in, in a lot of leagues just because he was injured and the guy that the team that drafted him saved, probably needed someone and saved my fantasy season in one of my leagues. So yeah, since he's come James back, Conner. pretty sweet. So. Yeah, nice, nice there. But let's get into this last game real quick. Monday Night Football, the Chargers at the Colts. Another complete kind of dud of a game. Uh, Chargers take this one 20-3. First note, Justin Herbert. I mean, this was probably just a complete what the heck, what the hell, whatever you want to say. I mean, he – we – I mean, when we were in the draft season, I think we both agreed on if you were going to take a reach on a quarterback, whether, you know, at that Mahomes or Herbert level, go for Herbert. We, we kind of expected him to just go crazy this year. And on multiple of the trade four, you know, sessions on the podcast, Justin Herbert's name came up. And in the two playoff weeks, he has zero passing touchdowns. Probably cost you your playoff run if Justin Herbert's been your guy. So sorry for the bad call there. I, I can't even believe that he's been as bad for fantasy football as he has been. Uh, but with that being said, Austin Eckler, you know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are all locked for next week. Gerald Everett, Joshua Palmer's are our uh, options in certain situations. Yeah, I'd probably be off of Everett at this point with all the options back. Didn't yeah. even get a target in this one. So I that is a floor that you don't really want to mess with in the fantasy championship. I think you can pivot to a different tight end option. And then, yeah, Justin Herbert, I have won three playoff matchups between all of my leagues so far this year. And Justin Herbert was the quarterback against me in all three of them. So thank you, Mr. Herbert, for helping me uh, get to a few you know, extra fantasy wins here. Uh, but yeah, definitely a a tough look for Justin Herbert, especially in the playoffs. Zero passing touchdowns in two weeks. I can't believe that. Yeah, yeah, that's it's rough. I like I said, I mean that was a guy that we were we were high on. We will we wanted you to trade for yeah, him. Yeah, got all so his options just, back too. I yeah sometimes that's the way it goes in football. I mean that that the problem in this game ended up being the the game script, like you said, Eckler got both the touchdowns, and then Nick Foles did absolutely nothing to pressure them on the scoreboard. So, Chargers kind of just sat on the lead once they got it. Yeah, I will. I do want to ask you on the Chargers uh, aspect. It did seem like um, their backup was getting a lot of work in between the twenties, and then Eckler was coming in. Do you think that was because they were playing Indianapolis and Nick Foles, and they knew they didn't have to really worry too much, or, or are you concerned about Eckler's workload going into next week at all? I'm not. He had 18 carries in this one, got four targets. Uh, it seems like they might be limiting him slightly in between the 20s, like you said. He, he did get banged up, I believe it was last week. Looked like he left with a shoulder injury for at least a minute and came back in that game. But uh, they might just be looking at the bigger picture. If they're up multiple scores and you know it's second and six on your own 30, you can just go ahead and let Joshua Kelly have that one and bring Eckler in when you need him uh, close to the goal line, and that's what they did. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the Colts side, you think there's any chance I can get a one-game contract to start in Week 18 at this point? With, I mean, with them go let them know, Cody. They, I don't think you can do much worse than Foles did, and I think they actually <laughs> want to lose these games, so they, they might end up giving you a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from a fantasy aspect, I think all options are terrible, especially if Nick Foles is the guy that goes up there again. So, I mean, if you made it through and you played a Michael Pittman, then congratulations, Benjamin, for the championship week. Uh, I, I don't have any faith there. And then I guess if you nope. picked up Zach Moss, you can have a little bit of faith in him, but this offense just won't move at all. Um, 
So the only reason I say that is Deion Jackson got into an argument on Saturday with the head coach, Jeff Saturday, about his involvement. Um, yeah, apparently like a big, like loud screaming argument in front of, in front of part of the team. So needless to say, that doesn't really fly a lot of times in football. Um, even though maybe he was justified in his argument. So I'd expect Deion Jackson to get very limited playing time, um, going into this next week. So, I mean, Moss, if you picked him up and you're in a sticky situation, it's fine, but he's not very good at football. So I wouldn't have a lot of confidence playing him. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't have a lot of confidence playing him. So sorry. (laughs) That is, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine expanding on that. That's, that's, that's a burn right there. And we'll just leave it at that. Zach Moss, you are bad at football, Mr. Sir. So no Colts are viable this week with Foles starting, man, that looked, that looked really ugly. And again, this is one of the only games that ended up because they're in a dome. So weather was just fine. And he just looked horrible. It's like a guy that hadn't played all year and only played once last year. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I mean, I don't know. That's just wild to me. I I think I would have just started Sam Ellinger at that point instead of pulling (laughs) this guy off the couch, man. Like he literally looked like he, he didn't even really want to be out there. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't blame he's him either. Checks at this point in his career, yeah, yeah he's, he's got collect, a Super Bowl collecting checks. But I think he had like he got sacked like seven times in this game. So I mean, he wasn't just he back really. there just Ugh. not getting you know just getting some easy money. He was getting banged up. So that's that's earning your money, Nick Foles. Got to love it. I think he's on a pretty good deal because I think it's still the same deal that like Jacksonville paid him like four years ago. So I, I'm pretty right, sure right. he yeah. gets paid I, a decent. He's still probably working off that contract. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up. We will, uh, I guess, was today, today's Tuesday. So we'll, we'll throw out a Thursday night preview podcast for Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. And then obviously we'll throw out a full week 17, get you ready for that championship. And hopefully, uh, hopefully I can turn around on my best bets and quit being such a square. Uh, Nick, you got anything for the people? Nope, everybody. Uh, good luck in your championship matchups. And I just want to say I had four playoff teams going into this uh, this playoff season. And the only one that made it to the championship was the one that was six and eight. And I was two and seven at one point during this season. So everybody don't give up. Uh, if you are if you are mathematically in the fantasy fantasy realm you know just keep playing keep plugging those guys in you never know what's going to happen uh this is actually the league that i traded uh justin jefferson and travis kelsey for first and second round pick while i was two and seven made a turnaround thanks to james connor and a few other guys but i am now playing in the fantasy championship against travis kelsey and justin jefferson oh that's uh, hopefully (laughs) (laughs) hopefully that does not come back to bite me but uh you know i i think i'm i'm kind of playing with house money in this league i've got two firsts and two seconds next year and if we come home with a championship too then that would be pretty pretty nice yeah is that a league where um where you where you finish determines your draft order. So like, would you have four picks? It is in a not row? actually. It's oh, only okay. so the keepers. There's only two keepers, and you have to. It's like draft pick. You know, you, whatever draft pick they were with, uh, you get you get them on like a two year deal. So right. Jefferson, I've had for two years at a 16th round value because he was uh yep. you know just picked up off the waivers uh, his rookie year. That's been a pretty good deal for me, and. Yeah, so you do you can trade draft picks, you can keep two guys, but the uh, the order is just random because it's you know not not enough keepers to really have it affect the the rosters year to year necessarily. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was about to say, wow, if you set yourself up and you're just going to be able to basically pick your starting lineup numbers, yeah, you know, that would be nine, 10, fun. 11, 12, yeah. 
But all right. Peace out, everybody. Be on the lookout for the Thursday night episode coming out tomorrow. See you guys.